Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, uh, start of December, the year seems to have flown by, <clears throat> pardon me, a funny year that it has been, but um, yeah, we're Christmas is just around the corner. Um, welcome back again, uh, another episode the Brisbane Property Podcast with Melinda and myself. Thanks for joining us again. Yes, as Scott said, where's the year gone? I know that we've been, you know, impacted by a pandemic this year, which nobody ever expected. But, you know, already in December, I certainly can't believe that uh, we've got through the year so quickly. And, you know, looking forward, haven't we seen some changes in the property markets in terms of sentiment? It's been up and very, you know, buoyant, I guess you could say, at the beginning of the year. Then it really flatlined and, you know, there were so many predictions of price falls and yet nothing really changed here in Brisbane. And now we've got such a buoyant market and there's so much optimism for the future. So, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. I think that we've all sailed through this year very well and uh, 2021 is looking very positive. Yes, it is looking positive and um, it's not so much a data day today, um, unfortunately for you, Melinda, but um, I did notice that, uh, and it would have made you your ears sort of prick up yesterday when the CoreLogic data came out and the information about um, property prices and the increases. Yeah, look, it's not unexpected. Uh, as we have said, the data is always retrospective. It's looking backward in the rearview mirror. We were expecting price growth here in Brisbane. Um, and yes, Greater Brisbane showed price growth. We're going to unpack all of that in an episode on the next market update, of course. Um, so look out for that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we've we've been talking about Brisbane. So um, I think we can almost nearly start to say I told you so. Um, <laughs> anyway, today we're going to... Um, talk about how to buy property in Brisbane. Uh, obviously, with the um, the market that it is at the moment, um, everyone's saying it's red hot. Um, so today, we're going to um, talk about how to uh, how to buy some property um, and um, and different ways and some and some tips and some ideas. So we might start off, if you like, with um, a couple of ways to buy property. Yeah, look, I think given the current very, very strong sellers market in Brisbane, it's really important as a buyer to understand what you need to do to secure a property. It, I mean, we're, we've had a lot of increase in inquiry over the last few weeks, just off the back of buyers consistently missing out because properties are selling before they've even got time to have a look. So I think that what we'd like to cover today is just a few tips on how you can prepare yourself um, depending on how a property is being sold to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position possible to secure an opportunity. I, I just just on that, I, I we um, we are getting a lot of inquiries as as Melinda mentioned about um, from people that are um, are missing out on properties. Just one thing to be to be careful with if if you're missing out and you miss out a, a few times, don't get caught up in the uh, the uh, FOMO. FOMO of, fear of missing out side of things and, and go in with really high offers and, and get carried away. So that's probably an early tip just to say, you know, obviously do your work, get help if you need it, but um, don't get caught up in that FOMO just because you've missed out sometimes. Um, it is a big investment. So Yeah, I think emotions can run a little bit um, higher when we've got a very strong seller's market and people feel that they need to throw extra money at properties just to secure them. Um, we had an instance just this week with a client where, you know, they'd provided instructions to to move to an amount to try and secure a property. Um, and those instructions changed very quickly to a higher amount um, at the in this 
uh, instance, it was actually an off-market opportunity and we had the opportunity to negotiate directly with the seller. There was no competition. Um, the rules change when there's competition and a multiple offer situation, which we'll get to. But, you know, in this instance, the buyer was really keen to move to a higher price. But because of our calm um, situation, the fact that we knew we were negotiating one-on-one, we knew we didn't have to go to their top dollar and yet the emotion involved for them, they did not want to miss out. They were willing to pay, I think, about $15,000 more for the property than we ended up being able to secure it for because we were able to act non-emotionally and we didn't have that FOMO um, ourselves when we were acting on their behalf. So, you know, you don't always have to pay more depending on the circumstances. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Yeah, it's always, I, I feel good when, when that sort of thing comes off for our clients. It's, um, it's very pleasing to help people out that way. Um, people want to sell, people want to buy. It's just a case of getting together and talking. So, um, so if we jump into the three ways, I guess, um, private treaty, auction and um, tender uh, are probably the three big ways to sell property. Yeah, so when we look at how do we buy property, we've first got to determine how a property is being um, offered for sale. So there's three ways, as Scott mentioned. Now, um, the first is by private treaty, and that's typically the way most Brisbane properties are sold. We have less or fewer auctions than Sydney and Melbourne do. So private treaty is the most common way to see a property listed for sale. So that term private treaty, it's derived from a Latin word actually, and it means negotiation with a view to settlement. So when a property is being sold by private treaty, the negotiations in terms of price and terms happen confidentially between a buyer and a seller. And a sale actually takes place when there's actually an agreement between two parties. Now, that's all good and well when you're in an equal market where there's the same number of buyers as there are sellers and you have the opportunity to view a property and enter negotiations with a seller. Where that falls um, down and becomes a lot more difficult is when you are in a seller's market, which is what Brisbane is right now, and you've got a limited number of properties that are available for sale because listings are lower than they normally are. And yet you've got this huge number of buyers. So for every property that is listed, you've got, you know, five, 10, sometimes up to 20 buyers that are interested in the sale or interested in the purchase. Now, when that happens, um, obviously you don't have the opportunity to negotiate one-on-one with a seller. So circumstances change very rapidly and um, you need to then position yourself for a multiple offer situation. Yeah, so that's obviously when we talk about that, if it's a good property uh, and, a, and a good one to buy, moving fast is always good. However, sometimes it, you can't move fast enough. Um, we had one, actually, I was talking to an agent just the other day. They had a property. They had they worked it out once they looked at the groups, and the groups were generally in twos. Um, there was 280 people went through it. And they had 11 offers on the property uh, on the first, basically on the first Saturday open. Uh, I think last week you went to one, Melinda, as well. Uh, five offers, I think, ended up going in on that one. Yeah, so that was a property that um, we viewed with our client in tow. We knew that there was going to be high interest on the property. Um, I don't know exactly how many groups went through um, at that inspection, but it was the very first inspection and within three to four hours after the inspection, there were five offers on the property and those offers closed in that afternoon. So let's sort of unpack what we can do in that situation when there's too many buyers, not enough sellers and everything's going to multiple offer. 
first of all, what you'll notice is that a property, when a property is listed by private treaty, especially in an accelerating market like Brisbane is at the moment in terms of price, not many properties are being listed for sale with a price. Now, that's absolutely okay. Agents can list a property with no price here in Brisbane. Um, if they put a price, it provides an anchor point and it, um, it, then an assumption is made by buyers that, you know, you can negotiate down from that price. In some instances, um, a price can actually, to an extent, mislead a buyer to think that that's what you would be able to purchase the property for. But what we're seeing is that in a lot of instances where we are seeing a price on a property, the property is definitely going to sell for higher than that amount. So please keep that in mind if you are looking at listings that do have a price. In some cases, that price is not necessarily indicative of where that property will sell based on the current market conditions. So as a buyer, you need to be aware of that. It's um, it's very much local local knowledge. And it's something that because we're here every weekend and um, there's, there's four of us going in in all different directions, um, looking at multiple properties on weekends, uh, we really get a feel for what the interest is like. So when we do a lot of that work, and as as Melinda was touching on the multiple offer side of things, you need to be organised. You need to you've had a look at this property. You do your desktop reviews. You do all your due diligence. You do everything beforehand so that when you go there on the property, you're basically having a look at how many people are interested and how many offers are going to be there. Um, that's the sort of thing you need to be able to work out so that you know what it's worth, but then you judge by how many people are there and that might tell you whether you need to have a stretch factor to um, to allow a bit more for the property. Yeah, we've certainly um, found that the appraisals that we're running on properties at the moment, now when, when we talk about an appraisal, it's simply an evaluation that we make based on where the value of the property is based on past sales. They are all settled sales in the area that are comparative to the property that we're looking at. We are definitely finding that the majority of properties that we're looking at for clients are selling at the top end or over our appraisal range. Um, now, that gives you an indication of you know how strong the market is at the moment and how many buyers are pushing the price up simply because of the competitiveness of the current market. So you need to be aware, not only looking at, you know, if something sold three or four months ago, don't rely purely on that sale to determine the value of a property that is selling in the current market. The current market conditions will have an influence on the end sale price of a property that you are considering today. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, so I, I know, I think we've talked about multiple offers a little bit before, but just again, just a reminder on that, um, if you go to a property, you're interested in it, and the agent tells you that there are, are offers on the table at the moment, and it is under a multi-offer, um, you, you need to put your best foot forward. You can't just say, well, I'll throw in an offer now, and then they'll come back and talk to me. Um, it's as quick as that, you can just miss out, and it's gone. And look, I was at another inspection on the weekend um, and I overheard another buyer talking to the agent and that buyer um, said they need time to think about it and they'll give the agent a call on the Monday. Now, I knew 100% I was certain that that property was going to, con going to go to contract that same day because I'd already heard the agent say that there were offers on that property. Um, we knew that if our client wanted um, to pursue the property, they would need an offer on the same day. So again, if you're taking, if you're needing to take time to think about whether to move on a property after you've viewed it, um, you may miss out because the agents simply won't hold offers open for everybody. It's really important to 
um, get all of your ducks lined up in a row. Um, and by the time you are inspecting that property, be very clear as to whether it is an opportunity that you will pursue or not. Before we kind of move on to the next type of um, way to, to, to purchase, I guess, um, I just want to run through some things that you can do to tighten up um, any terms and make your offer really attractive um, under a multiple offer situation. Yeah, so <clears throat> so pardon me, there's a, there's a few things obviously when you look at it's not just the dollar amount. Obviously, people do look at that dollar amount. That's the big thing that they obviously look at initially. Um, but good agents um, will obviously work with, with uh, sellers just to make them understand a little bit more the conditions. So things, the, the main conditions you've got are generally finance, building and pest, and you could even have a due diligence clause in there as well. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you are considering working with a seller and trying to position your offer um, to best suit their needs, you can even explore things like rent back options and um, extended settlements and, you know, fast settlements. It's really a case of trying to get an understanding of why is a seller selling a property? Why... Um, when do they need to move out? Have they purchased elsewhere? And then in a very competitive market, positioning your offer to suit the needs of a seller can actually have a greater weighting in their assessment of multiple offers when they're put before them. Because even if your offer may not be the highest price, if you've got the best conditions which best suit the seller, that are most convenient for the seller and reduce the seller's stress, then they may actually consider your property. So Things that you need to do and to be prepared for, tighten up your finance, make sure you already have um, strong finance terms. You've spoken to your broker or your bank so that you know um, that you can get through with, you know, a minimal time frame for finance, whether that's, you know, seven days or 14 days, it's going to be a lot more competitive than going in with a 21 day clause. Um, and of course, a building and pest inspection. Line that up before you even inspect the property if it is a property that you're very keen on because a lot of building and pest inspectors have timeframes at the moment where you won't be able to book in within 14 days. Certainly not within seven unless you've done a, um, you know, penciled in a booking effectively. So make sure that you are prepared before you go to physically inspect a property. So yeah, I just want to touch on a couple little things that I do notice on those ones that Melinda was talking about then. Um, the settlement side of things, um, just one thing at this time of year, just be aware of settlements around Christmas. So make sure you talk to your finance, talk to your, your conveyancer, everyone involved, and just make sure that you can actually settle. A lot of things will close down over that Christmas period. So just be aware of that settlement period um, when this Christmas coming up this festive season. Um the, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I'll add to that, that, you know, talk to the sales agent and find out what settlement uh, terms also suit the seller because nobody really wants to be uprooted too close to Christmas um, or in the new year. And if you can position your offer to align with what a seller's ideal time frame is, then that's, again, going to position your offer and put it more favorably above, above others. Yeah, a lot of people might want to have Christmas and then say, look, early in the new year, we'll move out. Um, so yeah, it is. That's another tip. Obviously, what um, Linda mentioned earlier about it's not just about the price. You got to you got to consider the the seller, and just that little thing in that those conditions. If it's a case of them having to move house and rent for a little while, it's going to save a lot of money for them if they don't have to do that. So if it's convenient and it makes it easier, um, that's definitely a good condition to to work with. 
And of course, that's dependent on you as a buyer. And if you're wanting to move into the property, you can't offer that. So it's all dependent on what works for both parties. Building and pest, definitely. Um, I book all hours. Um, Most of them at the moment are at least a minimum of seven days. Some of them are even pushing out towards 14. So definitely make a phone call if you've got a trusted one. Um, Try a couple if you have to, but try and pencil something in and just say, look, I'm going to something on the weekend. If I get a chance, what are the terms? Can you pencil me in for one, as Melinda mentioned? The other one is that finance. Um, I had one about a week or so ago where I spoke to an agent um, and someone had put an offer in um, that wasn't conditional to finance, but it was conditional to the valuation stacking up. Um, Just be careful on that. I I got some advice from a um, solicitor and I would highly recommend you get some advice on this if you're thinking about anything like that. But um, the solicitor basically said to me that uh, if something was to happen in your personal circumstance, if you lost a job or uh, anything like that, you have not got to get out clause um, on the finance side of it, even if the valuation stacks up. So just be careful going in with uh, alternate sort of ways of wording things um, and make sure you don't get yourself sort of stuck on that. Yeah, that's a really important point um, that Scott's mentioned there, which is highlighting the risk associated with trying to be too aggressive with some of the conditions that you're putting forward on an offer. Don't make the um, offer too risky. You still need to protect your interest as a buyer. And this is why it's always good to be working with a conveyancer or a solicitor um, with in terms of getting your uh, conditions reviewed before you put that offer in. Um, and again, under multiple offer, we you need to be prepared to enter a contract on the day you're putting that offer in um, and preferably put it in front of them in contract form rather than just verbally or in an offer form because that's going to put your best foot forward and enable um, the you know other party just to sign and you've got a completed deal. So uh, I think we've covered a fair bit on the private treaty side of it. Um, just, just on a sort of a back end of that, we get a lot of people talking to us and, and it's something we do see quite a bit, basically pre-market and off-market opportunities. Um, basically as they, as they sound, um, pre-market is something that is going to go to market. Um, you'll find that some people, sellers, some sellers will definitely go to market. Some agents will definitely take the property to market. Um, that's just the way it is and you can't change that. Um, but to get it pre-market, so at least you can get in and do a lot of that work and that research and um, your desktop reviews and everything to make sure it is uh, it, it is a good property and it stacks up so that you are confident when you go to that uh, inspection. So that's the pre-market side of it. Um, the other is obviously the off-market. Yeah, so just circling back to pre-market first, um, you know, a lot of buyers agents out there say, yeah, we've got great access to off-market opportunities. In most cases, they will be pre-market. So they're properties that an agent has listed, uh, meaning that they have signed up a seller on a PO Form 6 here in Queensland. There is intent to sell and they are preparing that property for sale. Now, you know, we were very lucky last week to um, get a heads up on one of these types of properties from um, a local agent that we work very closely with. The day that the um, photos were being completed, we got the opportunity to go through the property and inspect it on behalf of our client. And there was an opportunity for us to act same day and we put an offer forward, um, which stopped that property from being listed And effectively, that meant that our buyer had the opportunity to steal the listing. It didn't actually hit realestate.com. There was no further inconvenience to the seller in having to have open homes, 
um, or inspections at their property. And the deal was done before any other buyers knew that there was um, even a a property available for sale. So that's what a pre-market opportunity is. Um, And as a buyer, obviously, working with a buyer's agent can help to provide you with some access to those types of opportunities. But it doesn't mean to say you have to align with a buyer's agent. And um, obviously, we have developed relationships with agents so that we have a good flow of these sorts of opportunities. But if you know where you want to buy and you can develop your own relationships with the local agents in that area um, and ask them to send you anything that is pre-market, then, you know, you never know. You might be able to get on an email list um, and be provided with some of those opportunities yourself um, and hopefully beat some of that competition that's out there. So I guess the other one then as we uh, started to go towards is the off-market side of things. Um, and, And I, look, some people don't want to have open homes. They don't want people trampling through their homes. Some people don't want people to know that they're selling their homes. There's a whole there's a whole list so long of, of reasons, I guess, why people don't want to go to market. Um, and that's when that off-market opportunity comes up. Yeah, and a true off-market property generally um, comes, again, either directly. So you're working directly with the seller. Maybe you've put a letter in their letterbox um, or maybe, you know, someone knows someone that's selling and it just happens to be a perfect merge. Um, But again, a lot of those off markets do come through a sales agent. They may not have the property uh, signed up on a PO Form 6 as such. So they haven't got a, um, a full engagement with the seller. However, they know or they've had conversations with the seller over time and they know that the seller might sell if they get the right price. So a true off-market with no intent to sell, meaning they haven't actually listed or engaged the services of a sales agent, a lot of those types of properties in some instances can just be fishing for um, an unrealistically high price. Not always, but it's definitely the case in some instances. So, uh, you know, you need to be aware as a buyer, if you are looking at anything that is truly off-market, you need to make sure that you are doing your comparative market analysis to determine where that value lies and and where that might sell in the current market before you engage with the seller. Yeah, there there are good opportunities there. And and again, it's the agents doing some work to try and get these people to to come and talk to us um, or yourself, uh, whoever it may be, to get that off-market opportunity. Um, Another way of of selling, which we've, we've probably seen I think we've probably seen a bit of an increase um, in this of late in in the Brisbane market is um, auction. Yeah, an auction campaign, obviously, there's a set date upon which the um, auction is to take place. Now, generally, an auction campaign runs for um, up to four weeks and then the auction takes place. Now, just because a property is listed for auction doesn't always mean that it will sell at auction. Uh, There may be an opportunity in some instances to buy a property that is listed for auction much, much sooner. Now, if you're relying on um, a four-week auction campaign and, you know, trying to line up all of your ducks to make sure that you are ready to bid at auction on auction day, and yet you failed to engage with a sales agent to let them know that you're very interested in the property, then it may actually sell from underneath you. You need to actually let the agent know if you have interest in a property. And I know a lot of buyers don't like to do that, Um, But we are seeing, um, and in fact, we've done it ourselves, we're seeing many properties sell prior to auction. um, And in those instances, as a buyer, uh, you need to make sure that, again, you are prepared. Potentially, you are purchasing that under auction conditions. And very worst case, you need to be unconditional by auction date for a sales agent to even consider those types of um, pre-auction offers. 
Yeah, that's um, – again, we've seen that a bit where um, there's an auction campaign and um, the last thing you want to do if you're interested in a property is turn up to the auction and um, see the sold sign out the front knowing that it's already gone prior to auction. So as Melinda said, talk to the agents. Just be honest and upfront with them and say, hey, look, I've got interest in this property. If anything happens or if there's any movement, can you please get in touch? Um, I'd like to have the opportunity to discuss it. Um, they won't give a price. On, on auctions. So if you ask for a price guide, um, there's there's no price guide. That's pretty much what you'll get told. Um, you need to do your work and you need to work out what you think it's worth. And I think that's quite different to, you know, other states because I know, you know, other buyers in other states do get price guidance from a sales agent. That is not the case here in Brisbane. Um, an auction is, uh, there's no price guidance provided by the sales agent. It is up to the buyer to do their own due diligence and determine what they see or where they see value in the property and, you know, bring their best foot forward on auction day. And if you haven't, um, you know, if the property hasn't sold prior, you need to be prepared to bid. And remember, auction bidding is an unconditional offer. You need to have finance in place. You need to have done and completed your building and pest inspection. And if a property is listed for auction, it's always a good idea to ask the agent whether a building and pest inspection has already been completed by the seller and if so is that available to you as the buyer because it's good to have that information be able to review it in some instances uh, you might like to do an additional building and pest inspection yourself anyway if you have any doubts about any of the content in the report or engage someone like a builder to review the report so that you've got certainty about any issues that are identified yeah I don't think we can say that enough because we do get asked a, a quite a bit at an auction campaign it is unconditional so you are buying it unconditional and you need to go ahead and settle. There's no out on that one. So um, the other one for that, just a little bit off track, if you are looking to sell a house, um, I highly recommend getting a building and pest done on your own house. Um, it's a good way to sell a property, provide the building and pest, be open, be honest with it. If there's anything in that report, it's going to come up in another report. So if you get something and there's some small things to fix, get them fixed um, it's a good way to sell your own property and um, it makes that life a bit easier on that side of things. Yeah, I just wanted to um, touch on that auction uh, process again, just before we move on to the final way to buy a property. And, you know, what we're seeing at a lot of the auctions that we're attending at the moment is um, a lot of buyers are being controlled by the auctioneer. And it's really important to understand your top dollar when you're preparing for an auction, sorry, when you're preparing for an auction and you need to understand what that top dollar is. Um, if you're bidding against other buyers, you won't know, you know, what their bidding strategy is. You won't know, know where their bid limit is, but it's important to know where your own limitations lie. Now, we've seen auctions um, recently where, you know, there's been increases in the bid amounts in $500 increments over a seventy, $80,000 you know, change in price. And we've seen auctions that have, you know, the hammers fallen after a $50,000 increase in bid. Now that's a very, very big difference. When you can see increments of $500, you know that that's true market value because there's two buyers that are willing to pay that amount. When you've got an increment of $50,000, no one knows where, you know, a second buyer would have gone to because $50,000 is quite a large increment. The other thing that we're seeing a lot is uh, when a property pauses or when an auction pauses, we're seeing a lot of um, agents really push up the 
offer of the um, the highest bidder at that point. Um, and I've seen, you know, anything from seventy or eighty thousand dollars right up to over two hundred thousand um, dollars of increments at that point where the property auction pauses and they walk inside and they negotiate with the highest bidder to bring that property to the market. Now, again, it fails to help us understand what a second buyer would have paid for that property. So it's always important to, you know, make sure that you have your top limit in mind at an auction. Try not to become emotionally um, connected. And, you know, if you need professional assistance, then get a licensed buyer's agent to represent you because they're non-emotional um, and they will know their bid limit and they will be able to negotiate professionally at that point when an auction does pause uh, because I know that, you know, it can feel quite intimidating as a buyer to, you know, feel like you're going to miss out if you don't increase your bid. Yeah, I um, I, actually, I was at an auction last weekend. Um, there was a couple standing next to me um, and uh, they they turned around. And they said, there's no way we could do this. It's, it's too nerve wracking. <laughs> and they said, there's no way we can do it um, for us as a professional service. Um, and make sure if you do get professional service, just see what's involved in it. You don't want just, to me, you don't want someone just to go and throw a number around at it. You want someone to do a bit of research, understand what the value is, help you with that. And then if they want to, you want them to go and um, bid on your behalf, as as we do for clients, um, it's non-emotional. Um, you don't want to get caught up in that roller coaster and that, that snowball effect of, of going up and up and up and overspending. So, um, so we just move on quickly to tenders. Yeah, look, it's not as common here in Brisbane for properties to say, to sell by a tender process. Generally, properties that sell this way um, are unique properties, are properties that are exclusive, very high-end properties where it's very hard to put a value on them. So a tender process basically involves a, a set offer that is submitted to the sales agent on a um, deadline date. So everybody that is interested would be putting forward a formal offer, which has the opportunity to be accepted or rejected. So um, I guess it's similar to a multiple offer process, except there's no hurry and no stress with having to comply with very short timeframes. Usually a tender process is a three or four week campaign once again, and then you would submit your tender by the closing date. And then the seller has the opportunity to review all offers that are submitted and, you know, Basically, the the sales agent then could um, negotiate directly with one party thereafter. So that that process is, as I said, not as common here in Brisbane. Um, generally aligned with more exclusive high end properties, uh, but it is something to be aware of if it is something that is listed. Um, it's a different process to just uh, private treaty or auction. Yeah, I think. Look, I think in all of the every way property is bought, you, you've just got to make sure you do your homework, uh, understand what value is. And, and what that house should be valued at. Um, you, you need to be comfortable you're buying it at the, at the right price. Make sure you do do your homework and um, be comfortable, obviously, for what you're putting an offer in. So, um, look, I, I think we've covered a bit there We uh, on how to buy property here in Brisbane. Um, it's exciting times ahead. Um, so we're, we're definitely excited. Obviously, a few more weeks until Christmas. So we'll, uh, we'll keep chatting over the next couple of weeks in the lead up to the Christmas break. Um, I guess... That's it from us. I'll let Melinda wrap it up. My final tip is um, get your Christmas shopping done early. <laughs> That's a great tip. And, and uh, we and haven't done that. No, we haven't done it. So it'll happen. But yeah, look, I'll let Melinda wrap it up. Thanks very much for listening. Hope that's been helpful. Um, and we talk soon. Bye for now. 
Yeah, I hope the tips that we've shared today will help you to secure a property here in Brisbane. It is a strong seller's market. So hopefully some of these um, tips will be useful for you as a property buyer. As always, please don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and families. We would love for you to leave us a review if you are enjoying the content that we share. It will help others find our podcast and benefit from this information too. Um, send your questions in if you do have any questions that you're wanting us to answer. Uh, we try to vary the content from week to week to cover a wide range of topics that are relevant here in the Brisbane property market. So until next week, enjoy your Christmas shopping, get everything um done early I say and enjoy those Christmas dinners Um, I'm Melinda Jennison thanks so much for your time bye for now thanks for tuning in today please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances if you like today's episode don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.